And welcome back to Wind Against Tide. I'm Joey Fernand, Dave Standing in the studio. Hi, everybody. We are so happy to be back. It's Easter weekend. We get a five-day weekend and we've got lots to talk about in the fishing world. Um, Dave, how's your week been, buddy? Uh, mate, she's been a busy week at work while watching the beautiful calm weather. Everyone's been out fishing. But you know what? Long weekend, four days off, and the weather is looking a little bit average. In fact, Joe Bunn uh, should be here today because this weather probably does need to be um, discussed as we come into what is four days off. And tomorrow looks not too bad, Joey. But what do you think of the rest of the weekend? No, absolutely pus for Saturday and Sunday. If you want to do fishing, you pretty much have to go tomorrow. Um, Friday, good Friday, it's looking sort of 50-50, very unstable um, weather at this stage for Melbourne coastal waters. Looks like there's going to be big southwesters coming, big, big, big ones. But I tell you what, Dave, here's my Easter tip for all the listeners at the moment. Head on into Big W today and they just had a bust up of Easter (laughs) chocolate that was all just discounted, all the best Easter chocolate, Lindt, Cadbury, I just went in there and I had an absolute ball. I even got you a little bunny for Easter. Joey, I couldn't believe it. I, it made me feel bad. Oh, she's jingling the bell on it. But there you go. He <laughs> has not gone stingy. We've got the Lint Easter bunny, which is an absolute classic. Um, I do appreciate that tip, Joey, because my wife said to me yesterday, uh, the Easter bunny's got chocolate for you. The Easter bunny's got chocolate for Sammy, our little boy. Will the Easter bunny have chocolate for me? And I said... <laughs> Well, he will now. I'll be rushing off to Joey's chocolate sales. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And uh, nothing, nothing worse than you get to Easter Saturday, and you know that you've had to have the on buy Easter chocolate, and they, they sell out nowadays, Dave. You, it's almost impossible to get Easter chocolate on at about three p.m. on Easter <laughs> Saturday. So, yeah. Well, that's not how I thought we'd start tonight's show, but it's good to get that out of the way. Um, yeah, the weather not too good this weekend. We we had a nice uh, day out fishing on. Last weekend on Sunday, though, Joey, we had a bit of a run-up to it where we were coming up with some great plans for fishing expeditions we could do. We both decided we've done enough filming of casting at Tuna on Poppers and it was time to do something else. We were trying to think what we could do. I came up with a few suggestions that Joe poo-pooed. I thought we maybe we could go and catch some small fish in like streams and rivers and things. But uh, Joey was like, Davey, all we know how to do is catch tuna. I said, unfortunately, you're right, Joe. But you know what else we could go for? After being hyped up by Leo Miller last week on the show, I thought, you know what? The weather on Sunday looks okay. Could we go sword fishing? Yeah, I even asked the tarot cards. Um, I had some uh, cards that um, a friend of mine gave me and she told me, Joey, the cards never lie, so... I did actually ask the tarot cards if uh, we should go sword fishing and out of a deck of 54, I drew the card and it said, no, not now. The timing is not right. Which well, on the inside... We now go to Peter whoa. Griffin for, you know what really grinds my gears? That's Thanks, coming Jeff. later. Joey's got to be excited with the gear grinding. <laughs> the tarot cards grind your gears because they didn't tell you what you wanted to hear. Because you did try and trick them. You went... Um, you went first time, it basically said, no go, do something else. Second time, you worded it differently in order to try to trick the mythical cards 
and they still denied us the sword fishing trip. And I thought, you know what? That's that. We're not going. Yeah. But the, this is the thing. In our defense, um, we, we did want to try something different last weekend, but the weather forecast, as it does, it, it looked not very good for Sunday, but it progressively got good. So basically after we went off air um, last Thursday night, we looked at the, the weather on the weekend and, look, the boat was just basically set up still for tuna. All the gear, all the tackle was all. And you know what they say about fishing day? The best fishing trips start, um, you know, before. Yeah, with preparation. That's, That's right. Um, there, yeah, it, it was the easy way out. It was quite funny though because I'm like, you know what, Joe? I'd rather actually just spend the day getting all our gear ready so that we can go do something else down the track rather than go out, blow all this fuel and basically go to something that we've already filmed to death this year. Anyway, needless to say, Joe rocked up to my house and apparently he tells me he had full intentions of just preparing gear, but I'd kind of read the room and was in the process of loading the boat up when he got there and uh, that was that. We were off tuna fishing, Joe. That's it. And, you know, much to our discovery, um, (laughs) the tuna weren't so easy (laughs) on on Sunday, look, we, we really enjoyed catching them on, on top water. And once again, we, we did what we knew best. We, we had the poppers attached and we were casting at the mutton birds uh, flying around everywhere. But there seemed to be just not as many fish um, busting on the surface, chasing down our poppers. Don't get me wrong, there was plenty of, um, plenty of bait and plenty of mutton birds chasing fish, but just felt it was, uh, it was a little bit more difficult than our last uh, previous trips. Hey, Joey, while we discuss this tuna trip, I'm just going to play a bit of footage that we took on our drone um, oh, yeah. throughout the day, which probably shows you a little bit of what's going on for all those guys watching visually. Uh, you can see a couple of fish coming zipping through amongst the mutton birds. And it's pretty interesting getting a bird's eye view of the action. It teaches you a, a thing or two about a thing or two, Joey. Now, what I didn't realize, or perhaps I realized, but this really showed it, is that the, there's not millions of tuna there like you might think. Most of the splashes you're seeing on the surface are, in fact, the mutton birds diving. And as you can see, when the mutton birds go in the water, they're an incredible creature, Joey. They're going under the water and just flying around under the water. And you can see a few tuna coming through the screen there as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've got their wings spread out and they're dipping their heads in the water and they're actually flying under the water. I know exactly what you're talking about. They're flying under the water and they're um, competing over the same food that the tuna are. So it's not just chockers full of tuna through there, which is why we were casting our butts off and getting a bite only every so often, Joey, because I think what have we ended up with was I think we got three tuna, um, we kept two to eat, and you lost one next to the boat. That I'll count because we were stuffing around with it. Um, and a few more pulled the hooks, which always happens on poppers anyway. But every cast, it looked like you should have been hooking a fish. The action was that good. And every, and they were busting the surface and jumping. And in terms of a visual um, spectacle, it was as good as it gets. But and, we, and we did see them on the sounder also. There was plenty plenty of marks. Like The, the fish were there, but they just... We love catching them on the surface and they just weren't doing it. But, you know, we did say if we were trolling, I'm sure we would have done very, very well um, on, on Sunday. Yeah, that's right. But um, 
actually the whole plan was to go out there and look for some bigger fish. We had the, the 50 wides and the big lures on the boat and last minute I just chucked in two casting rods and of course from that moment on we were doomed to casting at tuna, which is what we did. We couldn't go past the hot action we had. The big reels stayed up the top of the boat and they never went in the water. You got a little bit of a sniff of a of a local barrel while we were out there Sunday, didn't you? Oh, shh, shh, shh. Ah. Top secret, Joey, top secret. No, there's some rumours starting to come through, Joey, as, it always, as there always is this time of year. If I could give one tip, it would be as we approach, as we go through this full moon cycle off the back of that, I would expect to see maybe a couple turn up. It's still very early. They're going to thicken up as the months go on, but... Signs are looking very good. As you know, Portland's just been incredible over the last couple of months. So something to look forward to there. You know what I loved over on Sunday, Joey? What was that? Seeing our good mate, Kevin Bahaja. Oh, yeah. I've got a photo here. Kevolution. Out with the family. This is what fishing's all about. Out with his beautiful family. Oh, oh, there's a, there's a live bust up going on behind us. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> They really. What, what is going on there? Oh, I got to break this up. Continue, Dave. <laughs> Joey, Joey, Joey is having to do some fish bouncing. The uh, hey, hey, the pet fish in the fish it. tank behind us are actually fighting each other. He's freaking out. He's trying to break them up. Oh, this is classic. All right, um, but pack on to the uh, fishing content. Our mate Kev, he was out there with his um, beautiful family, his two kids, and his wife Inika. Um, and they caught one, or I'm not sure how many, but they caught at least one tuna, which I believe Claire is little girl wound in, and um, that was her first tuna, and she was so excited, and that reminded me what's so good about our sport, to see families out there enjoying themselves. How'd you go, Joey? Yeah, they're, um, yeah, they're, they're playing nice now. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> did you give them a stern talking to? Yeah, I, I did. Um, Simon Webby asks, is that picture, is that an ex-Lee Rayner boat? No, it's not one of Lee's. Uh, I think Kev got one about when Lee had an evolution. He's had that for, oh, Kev's had that for nearly as long as I've known him. I remember when he bought it, he was very excited about it. And it's still got the original E-Tech on there, which is um, probably clocked up quite a few hours by now. So he's done well. <laughs> he's done well there. But um, no, it's actually a nice... Nice vessel, that one, and he's kept it immaculately, as you can see. It looks like it did when it rolled off the showroom floor, Joey. Yeah, well uh, looked after. A credit to him. I have something to clear up from last week's show. We discussed a uh, that great white that washed up on the beach. Yep, at the outer, outer banks. Yep, I remember that. And naively, I was of the opinion it could be a real photo. Uh, it turns out, Joey, that that is, in fact, AI. Artificial intelligence created that image. It's not photoshopped. Someone has got AI to create that image that looks so realistic. Are you shocked and appalled? No, I told you so. I told you. You knew that was the case? Yeah. Okay. It was was too... It sort of stuck in the foreground far too prominently for my liking. Mm. So, yeah. It was was too crisp, wasn't it? Myth busted. Yes, um, but I think it is Shark Week at the moment, Joey. Is it? And um, I saw a bloody incredible clip that I want us to watch. I'm going to yeah. put it on now. Yeah, okay. Um, it's. Uh, I found it quite beautiful, this footage. I mean, obviously, it's been professionally filmed. This one is real, by the way, everyone. Where is it? Um, I don't know, Joe. It's somewhere where there's sharks. I'm going to say South Africa. Okay. 
or South Australia. Um, but that's not what's important here. If you look, if you're watching this visually, and I recommend that you do. There's a diver in a perspex he's box. He's tried to make himself a little perspex box, and you can see this giant oh. great white. Oh, it's just freaking smashed it like a freaking, like Dave's going to smash that lint bunny on Sunday afternoon. That's right. It it, it appears to be a, about a four to five metre great white, a real big one. Oh, he's taken the bait. And this man thinks that his little plastic oh. box is going to keep him safe. Right? He's using the plastic box as some kind of flotation device to try and not look like a wounded seal. And he's scampering back to the boat. Oh, my gosh. There's like mackerel and yakkers like fleeing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but how would that moment be when he's got to make the mad dash from his little box thing to, back to the boat? Well, yeah, it's, that'd be pretty terrifying. Oh, yeah, he's just pulled him by the collar into the boat back to safety. Anyway, he lived to tell the tale, that man, Joey. But um, how was that? That was incredible footage. That's unreal. And um, yeah, Shark Week, Joey. A couple of shark facts for you for Shark Week. Yeah. So, Joey, I reckon uh, we may get our guest for tonight on the phone in a minute. I'll give you a bit of a rundown on this one. People who have been following the show for some time would know this man. He's a great contributor. He's always given us our uh, East Gippsland fishing reports. Uh, me and Joey have been out fishing with him him and his son over New Year's as well. They're just a wonderful family and um, he's a great guy to chat to. So I thought, you know what, it's about time we get him on the show as a guest. We I think we did call him a few weeks ago, Joey, but we're going to delve deeper this time, aren't we? Yeah, so let's do it. We are dialing. Here he is. Simon Webster. Is his name, by the way, in case you hadn't guessed that. Good evening, Dave. Simon, how are you going, my friend? We're, we're going well. How are you, Joey? Hey, good, thanks, Simon. What is going on, my man? Have you bought your Easter chocolates? Uh, we have. We're, um, we're big fans of the Lint Bunny too. Dark <laughs> dark chocolate and, and a milk chocolate. So. I'll tell you what, yeah. I've seen this year they make a hazelnut one with a little green ribbon around its neck, so... Yeah. Oh, goodness me. <laughs> goodness me. How, how have you all been? Simon, oh, we've been really good, mate. I think um, one of the main reasons I, or one of the reasons I wanted to get you on the show tonight was you sent, while everyone's been all tuna mad over the last few days, you sent through a couple of photos that blew my mind. Yourself and your son Bailey were out fishing off Lake's entrance and you uh, had some really good snapper fishing including an encounter with uh, the taxman. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, Dave, it was a, um, it was actually last Sunday. Bailey and I have been um, trying to jam in a few trips on the Reds before things shut down, and um, generally I'm told, you know, some bigger fish can tend to turn up in March and April at the end of the season, so we've been trying to hunt those, and um, we'd had a pretty good morning already. We'd, we'd got some really good table-sized fish, and... Um, and uh, really, it was just sort of uh, last minute, sort of 10 o'clock, sort of the morning was over and um, had a few, had good current, uh, good good sort of direction. The rods were sitting well and we had four floating baits out the back of the boat. And then the um, uh, starboard corner, corner just took off like a rack of greater knots. And, yep. um, and uh, yeah, proceeded to um, not immediately signal that it was a snapper and... Uh, we weren't exactly sure what it was. It was quite an unusual fight. It went on for sort of 
literally 10 minutes because I've got it all on video on the camera on the boat. Um, oh, awesome. Love to see that. Yeah, yeah various stages of the fight. It, it felt like a great big shark, and then it felt like a ray, and then it felt like a snapper. And um, lo and behold, we were all getting a bit over it by that stage after many, many high-speed runs and getting it back to the boat and uh, got alongside the boat and looked over the side, and by this stage... I was literally just at lock drag and just quite happy to break off because I'd had enough of it. And um, looked over the looked over the side as um, to see what it was and got colour and just saw this great big head snapper head coming up, sort of nose on at us, coming up from I don't know maybe five or eight metres under the under the surface, uh, coming up at a rate of knots. And then I couldn't work out what was underneath it. There was a second big heap of colour underneath it yep. and then and then as the as the head hit the top um a great big shark chased it up from underneath and at that stage we didn't realize the fish at that stage had been bitten in half um but yeah um we quickly grabbed the net and swiped this head out of the water just as this shark went under the boat um we also got a a uh, a couple of um shots of it off the camera off the roof and uh better uh, shark people than me uh, think it was a white shark um, looking at the photos so yeah it was um, pretty hectic um, pretty hectic a hell of a um, hell of a fish um, awful shame to have it end like that but um, yeah yeah very very memorable you but, showed me the photos and for sure it looked great whitish and one of their favorite foods is in fact snapper quite common for them to be targeting snapper on on their own fishing trips um <laughs> and uh yeah i'm looking at the bite radius obviously a pretty sizable shark now is it am i right in saying that whole snapper that we're looking at on our screens at the moment um the top one is 8.2 kilo which is a beautiful fish in itself but the remains of the fish that was bitten there's probably only oh, a little bit over half that fish left maybe a bit more than that was 7.2 kilos. That, yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So you may 7. have had a magical 20-pound snapper rob from you. Yeah, well, like I said, if, if we'd have known it was that right from the start, it probably would have been a lot more devastating. There's not really a lot more we could have could have done. If a shark's going to take it, it's going to take it. But taught us a very, very good lesson. I, I, won't, I won't have it happen again. I'd kind of dismissed it, that it wasn't what we were after and was – busy rigging rigging rigs and i turned my back on it and looking back on the vision off the camera on the boat uh if i'd have been watching the rod um i think the the head knocking and stuff going on that i wasn't watching uh probably would have changed my opinion of what was going on there but yeah it was a hell of a hell of a fish um we actually had it fed four five people that fish anyway (laughs) um what was what was left on it um But yeah, really cool experience for Bailey, and um, he was gutted. But yeah, it was um, a great fish nonetheless. So. Ah, well that that photo is cooler than any um, any whole snapper, anyway. I reckon Simon, and a great story to go with it. Um, how is the fishing in general down your way? You gave us a bit of a fishing report last week, and I was unable to get to it, which I was spewing about because it sounds like it's going off down your way. Well, I think um, I think certainly the snapper fishing offshore at Lakes has been. Uh, I think has really picked up in the last two or three weeks. The just the volume of fish, big fish, big fish are still very scarce. Um, 
there's a couple, you know, one or two will turn up here and then. Uh, you know, so definitely improved a lot, a lot wider number in the fleet have been getting fish. Uh, the charter boats have been doing better as well. So all the fish are coming from the west, the western grounds sort of pipeline region, which is the traditional snapper grounds for lakes. The local, um, the local brim fishery is firing as well. There's some enormous brim um, uh, being seen in under all the jetties and piers down at Ponesville at the moment. Like you, just you, brim hear, you hear that, Joey? We could have gone brim fishing. <laughs> <laughs> he laughed. <laughs> Did yeah, so so um, they're um, they're a lot of fun. Um, probably won't see bigger brim ever than what's down there at the moment. Um, Bem's been fishing well. Uh, yeah, lots of fish at Bem uh, been fishing well. We've had a real run on the prawns too. Um, still, Bem's full of prawns as well. Um, so yeah, it's been good in general. I would say that the area's been fishing well, and of course you've got your usual offenders like. Uh, whiting, we had some obscene. I remember Lee Rayner mentioning we had some obscene um, tailor and salmon vision um, recently out of Meetung, which just boil ups like I've never seen before. Mm. Um, quite incredible, too. So, yeah, and that's going well, Dave. That's beautiful. Uh, how's the bar been lately? Has it been okay heading out offshore? The uh, notorious lakes entrance bar? We, we crossed the bar at four o'clock this morning and came back in with no dramas today, but it yep. was pretty pretty gnarly on, on Sunday when we came back. Okay. Uh, pressure waved up, obviously, you know, end of the run out tide, everything pushing out, you know, the usual deal. It's not ideal to come back in, you know, with that. Uh, they all stand up. But, like, in general, I think it's been pretty good. We haven't had really too many close-out days Um Sunday, Sunday, Sunday was one point eight to two point four when we ran out over the bar, which was okay. But yeah, it was certainly unlike the uh, tragedy that's unfolded up at Naruma, and no doubt you've all seen today. Yes, we have. I was actually um, going to discuss that at some point. Yeah, we had a. Uh, we may as well have a quick look at that one now, Joey. So, man dead and woman in hospital after boat capsizes at Naruma Bar, New South Wales South Coast, which is a really notorious bar if you hadn't, haven't heard of it. Uh, a man has died, a woman is in hospital after the boat they were in capsized. Emergency services were called to Narooma Bar about 11.30am following reports of a small boat had overturned attempting to enter the bar with two people on board. The man was in his 70s and was retrieved by the water by surf life-saving volunteers. Um, taken to the beach where paramedics began CPR, could not be revived unfortunately and was pronounced dead at the scene. The lady was in her 60s and was rescued by a passing fishing boat and taken to the hospital. So uh, very sad scenes up there, Simon. Yeah, just tragic. I mean, you you know, I quite often watch Vision from the Naruma Bar, and yeah, it has got a it has got a reputation. Fortunately, lakes, you know, with it being deepened, um, you know, that's certainly made it on most days pretty safe. But you can never assume anything before you go out there. You're always on your toes going through that bar. Yeah. What What would be your tips for anyone? Because we don't want to see any accidents um, at all going through that bar, what would your tips be for someone who hasn't been there before to be watching for? When should they be going through it and when shouldn't they be going through it? I think, Dave, probably the best the best um, intel for somebody that's and, – and it took me a little while to learn how to interpret it, but Gippsland Ports have got a tremendous website that's got, a, that's got live data coming from a wave buoy on the outside of the entrance there, Yep. which, which – 
you know, before we launch every morning, it might be at three o'clock in the morning, we'll get up and look at that, look at that wave boy to see what, it, see what I was doing this morning. It was like 0.4 to 0.6, which was really, really flat. Um, but on Sunday, it was 1.8 to 2.4 at three o'clock in the morning. Um, yep. And uh, which was, you know, really borderline for us. I don't think we've gone out there through that. Um, but I, I thought potentially that that's definitely the best source for somebody to to be looking at um, and, and look, you know, look at the weather forecast. Willie, Willie's really good. Make sure you get a report for, you know, swell and direction like we do with, you know, obviously Cape Shank and, and all of the country down your way. Um, there's key indicators that sort of put the big picture together. But, um, yeah, definitely, the you know, you want you want the tide in an ideal not, you don't often get it, but you want the tide obviously running in, which 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 it was this morning. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, when it gets you know a meter or better, the, the wave boy showing a meter or better, then you just got to be prepared. You're going to get a little knocked around going going through it. But yeah, in general, it's it's had a pretty safe reputation in recent time. In recent times, it used to be pretty notorious, though, didn't it? Before they had the um, oh, yeah. dredger yeah. through there regularly. Yeah, before that, yeah, we came past the Tommy Norton, the big ship out there today. And if you've ever seen a, I've never seen a big ship turn like a sports car. That thing can just absolutely pirouette on the spot to let boats in and out of that main uh, channel going in. And um, it's a, um, it's it's reasonably safe now, but you just you just got to watch it. Um, like like anywhere like that but yeah it used to be a real cliffhanger type exercise going out there when it was sandy yeah for sure um now simon you've been you did update us a few weeks ago um we were talking about the duck hunting situation that's been unfolding um with a lot of uh resistance being put up by the current government and some left-wing green groups will put it uh, has there been much of an update on that? I saw that um, some of the, like CFMEU and some of those uh, big boys have been uh, getting a little bit involved with the, the fight. Um, we've had, in the last week's been a pretty good week, to be honest, Dave. Obviously, there's a submission window now to this select committee that I think is open until late May. I think I don't have the date that it closes, but it's basically open for public submission, you know, supporting or not supporting native game bird hunting. Um, yep. Fortunately, fortunately, I believe that the tide is is swinging in our favour with this because um, you may remember a few years ago there was a threat of multiple marine parks off the New South Wales coast. Yes, and a group, group group called Stop the Lockout was formed. Yep. yep. Um, that that group essentially got started off a Facebook page, mm. and what that group was able to do was unite a wider user community groups from all over that weren't fishermen, that weren't spear fishermen, that weren't even using the water, but on principle recognised the threat that it posed to set a precedent of bad policy decisions. Yep. Um, and that was stopped dead in its tracks by that group. And I feel that, and I've got to say, the ETU, I don't know whether you saw the news Friday, but there was 800 ETU workers walked out of the Metro Tunnel on Friday afternoon in protest at this. Um, yes, I saw that. Um, and when obviously the big unions get involved, um, they traditionally have had a lot of push with governments. Um, and to be frank, you know, like unions or don't like unions, I'm very, very grateful for them being involved because so many of their members are 
tradies who love to hunt and fish and and recognize that this is not just about hunting this is about green ideology being forced down the throat of everybody to swallow and um we've had enough of it and these guys have said no we're not going to stand for this they actually even came out and said that their members won't be as i understand it may not even be working weekends during hunting season or overtime because they want to go they want to go hunting yep you know so so i think it's it's really heartening dave what's happening because i know speaking to people involved at etu there's there's so many user groups big prospectors motorbike riders four-wheel drive clubs all want to be involved in this to make sure that this thing doesn't go any further or give anybody in the upper house any momentum to try any other shit on with any other group yeah. um yeah. because that's that's what this is all about though it's unfortunate it takes things like this to unite uh, us outdoor recreational users i can think of a couple of other instances instances in the past and it's um was the super troller in particular uh, i can remember hundreds of boats uh, myself included uh towing our boats over the westgate bridge and around to altona um and there was a big rally there and a lot of lobbying going on and it ju- and that united everyone and then um another one was there was talk of banning mako shark fishing which uh that also had quite a big outcry and then as you said the stop the lockout so it it, show, it shows when we do unite on these fronts that r- recreational sectors do have a lot of power um, and that, yeah, we just do need to work together on these things. And, and, and you know what, at the end of the day, as bad as this has been and, you know, the fear that this has put through the wider hunting community um, and looking at the big picture that's in play here, ultimately at the end of this, the the the, the uh, galvanisation of such a broad cross-member nucleus to challenge this is really heartening and it, it's sending a real message to people who are in charge and making decisions that, you know, they've really poked the bear with this decision and and people are up for the fight. So I, I'm optimistic that, um, you yeah, know, we, we've got a long road to come uh, to go down with this, but with everybody that's jumped on board to help, it's just inspiring, Dave. To be honest. Yeah. Um, so, is it Duck Ops, the Facebook page that where it would be best to follow to to uh, get updates on this one, or is there some uh, other feed that we should be looking at? Probably, probably the um, probably Field and Game Australia would be a good one. Yep. Or or um, Sporting Shooters Victoria, Double Victoria would be the two sort of senior hunting organisations that are across this. Um, I think it's going to be very much front of front of eye for everybody in weeks weeks ahead. Um, there's a lot more planned strategically with this, and um, yeah, we just can't let this green, you know, ideology or these people in this upper house, you know, start flattening, you know, recreations because you know we're a very powerful unit if we can get together. And and I feel like on this we're about to. That's that's my my hope anyway. Yeah, it's good. Uh, in some ways, it's good because it has poked the bear, and um, hopefully, once the our um, once that this is sorted out, we will not be messed with so lightly in the future. I think. 
it's just such a we're such a, a a big force you know i'd hate to think what the economic value between hunting wreck fishing and four-wheel driving alone would be worth to victoria it yep. would be billions and billions of dollars yep um and would be by far the, the biggest economic driver in the state yeah, um, I reckon I've probably spent at least seven million myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's just last yeah. year at the fuel bowser. <laughs> but so yeah, you're um, absolutely right. Yeah. So um, yeah, so um, all, all, all's good at this stage. Early days. We've got a long road to go, Dave. But yeah, we're making some making some process. Awesome, Simon. Thanks for the update on that one. What have you got planned in the next few months with your own fishing, mate? I've been enjoying following your own Bailey's adventures down there in East Gippsland. Oh, I think we're really getting getting sorted, Dave, to come down your way and chase the big fish. You know, any any day like this will this will pretty much wrap up for us here. And and the moment, obviously, we see um, we see they're there. We'll be we'll be down there. It's um it's so much fun, you know, launching out the east entrance and doing that for us. So. Yeah. Looking forward to get, getting the big reels out. Oh, it sounds good, mate. And I'm sure we'll be seeing you down there. Thanks for jumping on the phone with us tonight. It's always a pleasure. And also thank you for your input over nearly the whole course of the podcast. We really do appreciate it. Yeah, enjoy it, boys. We, we look forward to it every week. Stay in touch. Will do, mate. See you next time. Thanks, Robbie. There you go, Joey. One of our absolute favourites. I, I tell you what, those snapper that um, Simon and Bailey have caught, like, you know, we're in April and seriously, they're, they're better than any snapper you would see in um, November. Or, you know, you'd be happy to see one of them in November. So you don't necessarily have to wait for traditional snapper season to go and get a PB snapper. But uh, very, very impressive snapper fishing down at Lakes Entrance offshore at the moment. Yeah, bloody oath, Joey. It's a it's a really good fishery down there. It's quite untouched, obviously, because it's a bit of a drive from um, Melbourne, where a lot of anglers reside. But we, sh- we should have done that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what would have happened? We would have ended up going off sword fishing out wide. We had have driven all the way to lakes. That's the problem, Joey. Once you're down there, there's so many options, isn't there? Yeah, there's a heaps load, but um, <laughs> there's <we're>... a heaps load. <laughs> <laughs> but we're thinking about seriously going sword fishing next week. Um, Dave, what's going to be the plan? Oh, well, we'll probably cover this a little bit in the, the hookup report section, but the, sure. the sword fishery down there definitely seems to be picking up. And um, you know what I like about Tasmanian sword fishing, Joey? What's that? There's not much of a run to the fishing grounds, and a lot of it is uh, reasonably protected from the wind. And we don't have to. We may have to get a flight, but we don't have to tow the boat four hours and then drive 100k out to say, out to sea. So, you know, there's there's a lot of positives to heading on down to to Tassie and getting amongst that bite. We can talk about that in the hookup, Davey. But uh, the the way I see it is, instead of uh, putting diesel into the car, we're um, putting much more expensive fuel, jet fuel. into the aeroplane. Yes, <laughs> I, I do run my car on jet fuel, though, Joe. You realise. Yeah, it's uh, it's really the the Navara. She loves a bit of jet fuel. Maybe that's why fishing's costing me so much lately. Do you think? <laughs> um, I've got another update for you, Joey, from last week. Yep. Uh, those baby tuna that were thought to potentially be uh, northern bluefin or longtail, uh, they've got a few of them handed in, and it's still unknown. So it's a quite this mystery deepens. So 
baby tuna update from Julian Pepperell, who's a really well-known fisheries scientist, Joey. If you're fishing between Sydney and Ulladulla uh, and come across any of these baby tuna, they're still after samples for genomic work. They've got three of them in uh, angler's freezers, but they ideally need more. So average size is around 30 centimetres and half a kilo. So they need good photos and uh, samples for CSIRO. So when you actually read into this, a lot of guys are saying that they are uh, potentially small yellowfin. But um, I tell you what, I'd love to know, Dave, is how how do they go? These guys catching such a small, tiny tuna. <laughs> like, how are they catching it? Are they got the fifty wides out and they're, they're just kind of oh, that looks like it's snagged, or you know, are they just getting them um, on bait jigs while they they're collecting their regular pelagic bait for um. Um, for for marlins and and um, whatnot, what, what do you, how do you reckon they're actually catching these small tuna, Dave? Uh, I think Joe may be a mixture of those things, um, but you know, just uh, probably small trolling lures. Uh, they're you know pretty ferocious, the old tuna, and they'll eat a lure about half the size of them. So yeah, the old um, little bonito lure, you reckon? Yeah, mate, they might be. <laughs> you know, a lot of guys will try and catch a striped tuna or something for a, a skip bait or a swim bait, and um, probably catching them that way, but. It is a bit of a mystery and a quite important one for science because uh, if they are, I think nearly no matter what the species are, it would indicate that they're spawning quite close to these waters, which is uh, previously an unknown spawning aggregation, Joey. Well, if there's a breeding um, phenomenon happening, um, yeah, I definitely question begs to ask where the bigger ones uh, would be. I mean, there's been a lot of uh, social media commentary that they might be, in fact, big eye tuna. Yes. Like I said, the... The jury is well and truly out on those ones, so we'll keep following that one along on the show. Um, but uh, I've got a photo of one of these tuna here, actually, Joe. If you can swing over to... Oh, not that one. That's all right. Hang on a second, Joey. Hang on a second. If you can swing over to my laptop there, that's one of them, one of them there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Seems to be beautifully pan-seared pan with some sesame seeds and... Um, a beautiful uh, wild uh, um, onion uh, vinaigrette, uh, Spanish onion vinaigrette topped off with some basil. So No, Joey, Joey, Joey. We do talk about eating bluefin uh, at tuna quite a lot and how we cherish it. And this blew my mind. You gave some fish away to a friend of yours, didn't you? Yeah, sure did, Dave. Um, uh, yeah, client of mine um, and dear friend Kathleen Garan. She's a bit of a whiz. Oh, a client. I get it. <laughs> bit of a whiz in the kitchen and... Um, yeah, she uh, posted this on Instagram. Um, ooh, We've lost it. That's all right. We'll be um, back. She, yeah, she uh, she posted on Instagram that bluefin tuna like this must be celebrated. And um, yeah, she was quite um, happy with uh, her creation there. She also did a beautiful tuna pasta. But we were oh, like, Joey, Joey, <laughs> I can't believe we haven't got to this already. The legendary. Uh, bluefin carbonara, the Fanan recipe. I've had it cooked by the sun and now I've had the original straight from Joseph's beautiful mum. She came over and cooked us a pre-podcasting dinner. What did you think, Joey? How would you rate it? We were, we were bloody blessed tonight. Um, Dave started a new job at work and um, I had a five, I had a 4 p.m. home appraisal, which I wasn't going to get home to, to back to Pod HQ until 5.30. Um Asked, asked dear mum and dad if they'd like to come and uh, strike up some tuna cabanara <laughs> from our fruits of the ocean from, from Sunday. So, yeah, mum and dad popped over at about 4.30. They got the, 
the the garlic and the olive oil and the um, frying and the and the beautiful fresh pasta happening and uh, she even made some fresh crusty garlic bed from scratch she just got a, a french stick and uh, whipped together her own uh, butter and garlic and and parsley and Dave and I and uh, mum and dad just had a beautiful uh, tuna creamy cabanara um, with a nice glass of wine it was sensational I love that meal it's um yeah it's not something we get to have too often because it requires a little bit of work than just Know, thinly slicing some sashimi and putting it straight down the gob. Um, but yeah, really lovely meal, and it's um, it's nice to see everybody enjoying it. It was beautiful, Joey. Now I think we need to throw to one of my favourite segments and get some fishing reports up us. Let's go to the hookup. <laughs> Welcome to the hookup, where we go around Australia and indeed the world, for the freshest fishing reports. There you go, Joey. This week, the hookup is brought to you by Reedy's Rigs Hooks. Reedy's Rigs has been a great supporter of our podcast for a while. People who saw us at the boat show may remember that Brett was nice enough to give us a whole heap of tackle to give away to kids and some big kids as well. And uh, we thought we would love to belatedly thank Brett for that and his involvement in the podcast and uh, have him... Featured on the hookup this week. Fantastic. He's absolutely dominating the fishing at the moment, which I'm sure Dave's going to touch on right now. Well, that's right, Joey. Uh, we may as well throw straight to that. The, the port, Brett's, uh, Brett's um, specialty, Joey, the word nearly escaped me there, is Port Phillip Bay Snapper, and they're going quite well at the moment. I think we had a bit of a joke last year because the snapper season never ended. And indeed, at the moment, it's going really good, Joey. Yeah, I'd love to love to get stuck into it um, myself. In fact, yeah, it's um, because you know we've just seen Webby down at Lakes Entrance getting some massive snapper at this time of year. It's um, I, I guess it's something to do with the water temperature. Um, there is this this second uh, wind of snapper that we see in both um, Port Phillip and, and even down that east coast, and very exciting. You can catch some really quality fish at this time of year, That's and right. there's not as much boats believe it or not, too, people are too busy uh, chasing other species. So if you well, go snapper fishing this time of year, you've, you've got you know, most of the ocean to yourself. Correct, Joey. Offshore fishing is not for everyone. Uh, it is for me, but it's not for everyone. A lot of people just want to hang out in the bays and estuaries, and I completely understand that. It's a very relaxing form of fishing. So at the, this time of year, we've got some really good stuff happening. We've got the snapper in Port Phillip. Western Port will be showing up a few snapper at the moment as well. If I was to target them in Western Port at the moment, I'd be fishing up around uh, Coronella, uh, north of Coronella and um, the top of the north arm there, Hastings and North Joey. Yeah, uh, it's small bite windows and um, a lot of patience required, but some really nice sized fish this time of year. Um, I, I know I've been talking about him a lot, but my dear Uncle Tones, <laughs> he he loves the, the pinkies and occasionally gets a couple of good two, three, four kilo snapper on the way out of Western Port, down down at Boy One at that Western entrance, um, just on Snapper Snatchers there, and um, yeah, him and his uh, good mate Rick, they have a great time catching the snapper and the pinkies uh, late on in the season, so about now. So I know he'll be chasing them uh, absolutely. Uh, good to hear, Joey. And another thing that's happening in the bays at the moment in estuaries is gummy sharks. Now where are we're we're approaching, or we've just had a full moon. I'm pretty sure. Um, haven't really been concentrating that much, but full moon evenings for gummy sharks in Victoria this time of year can go absolutely 
off, can't it, Joe? Absolutely, Dave. And you know the other thing about this time of the year also, around Easter time, we get the king tides. Um, it's where, you know, you get these really big full moons. And um, fun fact, look, the weather's going to be terrible on Sunday. But, uh, you know, three-metre tide in Western Port on Sunday being uh, Easter Sunday, the, the lunar, you know, Easter's dictated by the lunar calendar and that's on the full moon. So, uh, yeah, three metres in Western Port, but be, I'm sure there'll be some bigger tides also later on this month. Yep, big tides, nighttime, fish up shallow there and... Uh, fresh baits, whether it be wrasse, yakas, slimies, even eel, stuff like that. Oily, smelly baits, and you will have some great fun on the Smooth Hounds, aka Gummy Sharks, of Western Port and Port Phillip, which is, as we said, not everyone wants to go offshore, so that's a, a great chance to catch something that pulls bloody hard within our, our bays and estuaries, Joey. Oh, you just reminded me as well. I was talking about gathering your, your Easter chocolate as well, but um, for the people that um, have it, um, for uh, tradition, they uh, fish for Good Friday. There's a, there's a lot of people that are into that. So, yeah, I hope you've got your fish uh, ready for Good Friday, Dave. <laughs> um, I've got a bit of tuna left, Joey, so maybe we'll we'll go with that. Does it, that sound like that would be a good plan? Because, uh, I've, yeah, that's all I've really got, to be honest. Yeah, My freezers are looking quite empty. <laughs> Chasing game fish for most of the year does not help with the, uh, with the eating fish steaks in the freezer. You know that, Joey? Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I think, it's, I think something about Good Friday, I think you've got to just go with a nice white fish, like a flake mm. or a calamari. Like we're traditional kind of guys, I think. I think that's what you've got to go with. <laughs> yeah, if only I had some of that. Back to the reports. Joey, the uh, Portland barrels, as we mentioned earlier, they're still going awesome. By the way, everyone on the live feed there watching on YouTube at the moment, g'day, hello, thank you for participating. We've got... Lots of new and old faces there and uh, good to see you all there and we'll try and get to a couple of those questions that you've thrown up there a little bit later in the show. Shane Lowry's in the house in the chat room. He's a, he's a great uh, lobster diver from the southwest coast. and uh, per- perch, yeah. perch Lord Joey. <laughs> Dominator. <laughs> brim, brim tickler. I wish, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to know if uh, he's been getting stuck in a lobster lately. Yeah. Uh, Yes, I bet he has. Uh, Simon wants to know when you're going to chuck a gr- Z-Man's grub, that's a soft plastic, into that tank behind you, Joe. We might see another bust up. Yeah, we could do their, um, yeah, they were fired up before. Um, I always Ma- have to break them up. It's like it's like a death match. <laughs> Maybe for our 100th show. They'll <laughs> <laughs> snob it off. I've fed those fish their fresh prawns, little fresh prawns before. And, um, you know, I've even broken it up into little bite-sized pieces and they just absolutely spoil. Nobody can resist the Z-Man scrubs, Joey. Well, we'll see about that. Nobody. (laughs) As mentioned earlier, Joe, we had a great session on the tuna off Western Port. They're still coming through off uh, Barwon Heads and uh, behind Phillip Island, out the eastern entrance and everywhere in between. So, I mean, what more can you say about that? What's been the best way to catch these tuna um, for everybody listening at home um, at these entrances. Well, I know you've said that if we had have trolled, we could have hooked more fish the other day, but genuinely I think we've only been doing top water casting for some time now because it's so fun, but we generally seem to keep up or surpass a lot of numbers other boats are pulling when they're trolling. So that stealthy approach. And you know what, Joe, I found on the weekend, I was absolutely shocked at how many boats were getting in on the casting action. More boats were casting than trolling, that's for sure. 
They sure were. Um, everybody was um, driving up to the outskirts of the, the Martinbird bus stops and, um, yeah, flinging their lures right into the action. So it was, um, it was cool to see everybody um, having a crack. Yeah, so that'll continue for a little bit and then the big official push on through and that's when she'll be game on, Joey. Yep. A report from our guest from last week. If you haven't seen last week's podcast, it was bloody awesome. We had Leo Miller from Team Tuna Chaser on the show. And, and he also goes great on the old b- burgers. <laughs> yes, he's a burger master. He's a burger master and a sword master. Old Leo. Um, maybe if we do get down to Tassie, we've got to make some time to eat out at one of Leo's fine dining restaurants, Joey. Oh, yeah, I'd love that. Uh, yeah, I'd love to get into the uh, the kitchen and have a look. I think we should rock up there covered in slime, blood and guts, and Leo would really appreciate that. Uh, maybe he's come up with a sword burger. Well, probably has. Now, Leo did mention he was going out fishing a few days after we had him on the podcast. So here's his report, everyone. So uh, he hit the high seas and this is a report of the reality of fishing. So he had a lot of hard work without reward. Uh, he dropped all day, reversing into a sea, managing the current, rigging baits, checking lines, etc., etc. Sounds very familiar, Joey. Despite great bait marking and scatter layers, he didn't get a bite all day and seemingly ne- neither did any of the other boats that were dropping around him. Makes you appreciate the days when it all comes together. Uh, one that comes to mind was several years back, eight to ten boats dropping, calm seas and only three swords caught. The last small and very late in the day, he went out to have a lazy day, just two up, late start. Uh, used some crappy baits, limited effort, mainly soaking up the sun and not attending the rod and they got best two of those swords amongst the crowd that day. So... It, luck can go your way or it can desert you with sword fishing, Joey, as we've found out many a time. <laughs> Very frustrating sport. But uh, he had nice weather and says the company was good. So he enjoyed it, Joey. Yeah. it's um, you know, I haven't had a chance to do as much sword fishing as you, Dave. But, um, yeah, hopefully uh, this year we'll get to yeah, try more of a hand at it. I've been with you once sword fishing and um, I think we, we, lost, we lost a mobile phone. <laughs> <laughs> it was not a not a good time. Oh, you've been out with me and Brendan, and when we've lost a sword. Oh yeah, that's right. It was I the do week, remember it was that. the weekend that Prince died. Remember that because that's, you were playing Prince the whole way there and back. That's exactly right. It was um, <laughs> purple rain. Yeah, we were off Everard Canyon, and um, yeah, I might have been a bit tired, but yeah, they, they said yeah, we're, we're on it. We're on one. Um, it's so hard to tell when you've got one on properly, but uh, now this pulled a little bit of line, but yeah, once again, once it came off, it was. A hell of a lot of line to wind in to see if we were still uh, good. I can't remember what uh, Prince song you played to emphasise the sadness that day. It was Controversy. But yeah, I think that's a good point Leo makes, really. Uh, it looks like on social media it's easy, even when there's only a couple of fish caught. But it uh, is definitely never an easy task catching these dream fish. That's why they're dream fish, Joey. They're not meant to be easy. Catch of the week time, I think, Joseph. Oh, okay. Here we go then. Um, King Kong, Donkey Kong, mate. Look. (laughs) (laughs) We we were racking our brains this week who had the most deserving captures because there have been so many. And you know what? I thought this is it. Marlon, Bermagui, old friend of the show. Actually, I don't even know if he knows the shows exist, but we say he's a friend of the show. Flying Dutchman went 
Paul Rebecca, that is, went six from seven on the 12-mile ray, fishing solo. That's the big deal, as usual. And he got four striped marlin and two black marlin and tagged a double on his own. How good's that, Joey? Mate, absolutely unbelievable. Um, we were fishing last year off Portland alongside the Flying Dutchman, and much to Dave's disgrace, um, he was going, is that, is that Dutchman got his outrigger up straight again? <laughs> Friggin' serious. <laughs> like, yeah. I, mean, I don't know how many hooked that day, but like, yeah, traditionally in game fishing, when you got that outrigger up straight, you're, you're on. And I'll tell you what, that, that stick was freaking up in the air for <laughs> half of the day. How's the fish in the background, everyone? They're, oh, probably, they're really putting tonight, on a show for us they're tonight. Very frisky tonight. I think they would definitely go a soft plastic phone in there. Um, but it just goes to show that. Um, we're idiots because last week on the show we decided we'd write Bermagui off as a game fishing destination for the week and ever since then it's fished really well. I know Richie Arbella had a good day there earlier in the week on his last day fishing uh, for Marlin for the year and uh, Paul's carried that on. So Bermagui looking good if you can get up there over the weekend if the weather's any good up that way. I'm not sure it is but um, still a really good Marlin bite. It's just a sensational time of the year, isn't it, Joe? Yeah, i <laughs> Hopefully the Marlin train hasn't uh, left left uh, the depot just yet because it'd be so nice to get stuck into them. But yeah, we will have Ooh, to she's, see. She's rolling out the station, buddy. You better you better jump on. <laughs> <laughs> I fear you may miss out for another year. Uh, but yeah, that's basically what we've got for this week's hookup. I thought it was a pretty exciting one. Um, there's a few omissions in there, but generally some. Great fishing going on, and if we tried to cover it all, we'd be here all day, Joe. Yeah, that's all right. No, that's a good that's a good hookup. I feel I feel hooked up for enough for one week. That's it, uh, Joey. You, mate, I you're a nice man. I I don't often see you angry, but uh, on Sunday something happened, and if you are going to make Joe furious, it's going to be food related, and something happened to poor old Joseph. We now go to Peter Griffin for You Know What Really Grinds My Gears. Thanks, Tom. You know what really grinds my gears? Yeah, you know what really grinds my gears, Dave, is when you go out fishing all day offshore, we've gone out the eastern entrance, we purposely didn't bring food because we knew that on the way back from coming in from the ocean, you can bring the boat straight up to the pontoon at San Remo and come and collect some deliciously fresh uh, crisp fish and chips. You know, Dave explained the system to me. It's very, very simple. <laughs> Once your fishing is um, completed for the day, you you go towards the uh, eastern entrance and when you get to the rock, you ring up the fisherman's co-op and you dial your order ahead and then by the time you get from the entrance to the pontoon, Guess what? It's ready. That's it, Joe. You call. The system is you call once you get to the eastern entrance and it's ready by the time you get to the pontoon. It's a really quick pit stop and then you're on your way. Yeah, uh, not to be this time. Proven system. So naturally, Dave's um, driving the boat and he's just said, Joey, call the fish and chip shop. I call the fish and chip shop and there's no freaking you know, menu in front of me. So I've just got the phone to my ear trying to order fish and chips and I, the, the young fellow on the phone, I just said to him, um, mate, I'm just looking for like two flake, you know, um, and some potato cakes. Um, and, and have you, have you got a pack with that? And he said, no, um, oh, we don't have any packs with, uh, dim sims, but, um, he said, we don't have any packs with dim sims. I said, okay, well, 
what, what's a pack with, uh, you know, potato cakes and flake and, and some chips? It's like, oh, you get a big box of chips and we've got this uh, family pack. Um, and I'm like, oh, that sounds pretty good. So I guess all I need to do is just add some dim sims onto the family pack. He's like, yeah, that'd work. I said, all right, we'll have a family pack and void him sims. And um, hang up the phone. To, wait, I have to interject. To be fair, Joe, should alarm bells not have been ringing when you asked him the price and he said $50? I, don't, I didn't ask him how much it was. Oh, I'm sure you did. I'm sure you did. I thought I heard you say No, that. no, no, I didn't. Oh, okay. All right. No, I didn't ask how much it was. Okay, sorry, sorry. No, that's that's what that's what really ground, ground my gears. But oh. maybe that maybe that was my error. But so that oily faced child absolutely hoodwinked you. Is what is that what you're saying? Yeah. So, anyways, I get get to the pontoon, go to pick up the the fish and chips, and freaking hell, the family pack is three giant boxes of fish and chips. One is a pure box of chips with four potato cakes. The second box is two flakes with six fish bites and four calamari. Then in the third box is four dim sims, tomato sauce, lemon wedges, and a tartare sauce. And it says, that'll be $51. <laughs> it's like, fuck. <laughs> Sorry, I swore, but there's like only two people on board. And like, I love food, but sh- shit, man. And then, you know, the, the nail in the coffin was while I was waiting for the food, I seen that there's a twin pack. That had two potato cakes and two fish in it. Oh, he's so And a minimum you. chips. And I could have just added four dim sims onto that. 28 bucks. He, he saw you coming from a mile away, Joey. Anyways, that's what grounds my gears this week. I was full. No, of- no menus on the water for ordering fish and chips coming back from the eastern entrance. <laughs> I would say poor fish and chip advisory. From the fish and chip shop. I was full by the time we got to the bridge, to be honest. And then I'm like, geez, Joe, there's still like two giant packs. Joe was trying to give them away to people at the boat ramp and all sorts of things. Yeah, that's, that's it. I was trying to feed the poor. I said, Dave, I've got to give away these fish and chips. He's like, oh, well, yeah, Maddie might, might want, a little want a little bit. Or, you know, Dave might have a bit of a snacky while he's, you know, semening the boat and, uh, you know, just get a bit of uh, chips while he's... Semening his boat. Is that even a word? Are you, I just are you made that up. Explain what that is, or just leave that reference without context. No, he's got this uh, this uh, product called uh, semen, and it's uh, it's a white milky liquid <laughs> <laughs> that apparently strips the salt off the boat and other things. Semen marine boat wash. And the other issue was Joey. It turned out into a late arvo, and um, I was supposed to be going out for dinner straight after that, and. I was concerned that I would have to do the old uh, go out for dinner, pretend that I was uh, I was well, hadn't had a, a, a first dinner, and look like I appreciated the second dinner, while acting like I couldn't eat any more. I told you how to play that one, Dave. Mm. Like you, you still go and eat the second dinner at the second destination after the fish and chips, but <laughs> you know you just have a bite. You go. Oh, mm, I just couldn't possibly have any more. Oh, this is just so good. Mm. It makes you look it makes you look like, like you're very polite and you're not a pig, which uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm neither of those things. <laughs> so maybe I should be having a, a pre-dinner every night, Joey. Yeah, that's it. That's what the boys at work um, when they have KFC before they go home to their, their dear wives <laughs> to have dinner and they have to get home. 
like so they have to get down some casserole after they've had their zinger box <laughs> and they have to put on a brave face that it's uh, the best thing that they've eaten all day. So that's a pro tip for you. Well, is that why they're all barrels? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I joke. I joke. No, they are. Uh, that's a, that is a good grind my gears, Joey. I've, I've liked to see you get up and about and angry, uh, especially when it's food related. Yeah. That's uh, it. Oh. Now, what do you got? I'm going to throw to uh, some questions we've had coming in, I believe. Joey. Beautiful. So bear with me, I'll get them up. I've got one. I can kick us right off. Go for um, it. Adam B. He asked how to target bronzies in Western Port. Uh, what would be your advice of the best time of year to um, go for bronzies? Because there has been quite a few bronzy encounters in Western Port since spring and summer last year that I can recall. Yeah, um, an underutilized fishery in uh, our bays, Joey. They come in over summer and they drop their pups and they're in pretty big numbers. So I don't know if you've seen some of the aerial footage getting around from Port Phillip the last few years, but there's a lot of them that come into the system. A lot of these swimmers would be unbeknownst to them swimming near quite a lot of sharks over summer. Look, just off my um, fishing memory during November um, when the water really, really heats up, sort of late November, um, up off Hastings, out off those, some of those deep channel edges, um, you know, on the snapper grounds, um, people were losing bronzies uh, on, uh, you know, and people have got a variety of squid and fresh fish baits out while they're anchoring, um, but they're, they're not necessarily targeting them. So a lot of them do get bitten off, but... If you're specifically targeting them, Dave, how would you how would you rig up for them in, in Western Port? Well, it is reminiscent of our good friend Brendan, who I recall after being bitten off many times by bronze whalers while snapper fishing and getting them to the boat only to lose them, came up with quite the brainiac of a rig, which I thought was quite humorous, Joey. It was a uh, piece of, it was a twin hook rig, which is just our normal snapper rig, and it had mono between the first hook and the second hook and then wire. I think the idea was to not scare the snapper off but to catch the sharks, but it would have relied upon them eating both hooks. There was a lot of luck that would have had to be involved for that one to work, but if it was me, I would just be fishing a single circle hook and a reasonably sized chunk of eel. Joey? Yeah, I like that. I Lo- like it a lot. Locations would be silver leaves, quite popular for bronze whales. Yeah, nice deep um, deep water there. Um, yeah, Perfect. Well, yes, actually, I think I'd be concentrating a little bit shallower, to be honest, as the sharks come up into right. the warm water and drop their pups. So, um, yeah, find some shallower, uh, nice, warm sections of the bay. That's why also up the north arm and uh, north around um, Coronella and shallow water, we'll see these sharks quite frequently swim by. So, Well, we were, we were kingfishing um, in January, and um, we reckon one of our liveys got sharked. Um, up off boy 26 there 100 percent, yeah 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 and and wasn't there um a bronzy that actually did get captured while someone was uh, live baiting for kingies about that time yes there's been a there was a few caught dimitri wants to go fishing tomorrow well, what are we fishing for tomorrow oh. I'm, I'm i'm listening i'm listening um but carrying on with the questions in the meantime shane had a real beauty joey did you say that one uh, no which one was that oh uh, he is it's a hospital, unfortunately, but he wants to order room service and he's asking, I think this one's for you, Joey, I fill it or Wagyu burger. What would you go? Oh, I would go 
Wagyu burger. Wagyu burger? Mm, yeah. Love a good Wagyu at the moment. A brave, a brave selection, Joey. Yeah, Wagyu because, you know, I feel it. It's just... The thing that I find with I feel it, it just wildly fluctuates in quality. You can have an amazing... Remember what I was telling you on the weekend, Dave? Like, you know, meat is... Steaks are fantastic, but, um, you know, the, the, the meat does wildly fluctuate. You can have um, the... Now, you can have the tastiest rump steak ever or you can have a rump steak that's like leather like a boot. <laughs> it just all depends on the cut of meat. At least Wagyu, you know, maybe it's a little bit more forgiving. It's a minced up kind of uh, situation. What you're saying is there's less, less room for error with the burger. That's it. Oh, especially at a hospital. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that's probably not a bad call, actually. Uh, What's he doing in hospital anyways? Oh, I think unfortunately family members unwell this evening. So Shane oh. is there in support. So hopefully everything's well for you there, Shane Oss. We're thinking of you. Yeah, bud. And looking forward to catching up for a fish. We're going to do top water barrels this season, my friend. Now questions that have come through to Instagram is, uh, oh, here's one. Matt Watson, who I can only assume is the famous television host <laughs> from New Zealand, <laughs> has asked us... <laughs> Shane says he's going the I feel it, Joe. He hasn't listened. Yeah. Has asked, has he's said to us, ordering me. <laughs> Matt Watson said, seven banjos and two egg or razor salvo. Any tips on how to avoid bycatch when targeting gummies? Oh, Joey, a good friend of yours, reckons he's cracked the code for avoiding bycatch, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, I He has. He's, he has a, um, oh gosh, what's what do I call it? The, the, we call the, it the Fergonosta. The Fergie rig. The Fergonosta where he's got the... Um, Gosh, I've just gone blank. How oh, it's, Peter, it? it's Peter Ferguson, by the way. It is you Peter. Should, you and should point it, out. And he is a big proponent of a Paternoster-style snapper rig above a, instead of a uh, running traditional running rig because baits sit a little bit further off the bottom and you get less bycatch. And he believes it does not lower his strike rate on gummies and snapper. So maybe give that a go, Matt Watson. Yep, that's a good tip. Uh, one from long-time viewer, Bo Alley. If you could change occupation now with no risk, what would we both do? Oh, what about you, Joey? Oh, pretty easy. I'd just play bass. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Just play bass, and if I could just support my life on just playing bass and uh, going fishing, I would do that. <laughs> I reckon you could, mate. Um, for me, it would be uh, doing wind against tide full time. That's kind of the the goal. One day we'll get it. We'll get it up to that, and um, we'll be able to fish and podcast and have a ball with everyone and make that our full time gig. Yeah, I'd be into that. Well, you've already said that you're doing bass. Well, we can. <laughs> you know, it's like the old El Paso. We can have soft and hard tacos, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Team Born to Fish wants to know about fishing Good Friday. Uh, probably not. Are you, Joe? You might be going with with Toto, your dad. Oh, it, the weather sta- the weather pattern's looking very, very unstable, but um, yeah, not un- looking unlikely at this stage. And Dimitri wants to know if we can talk about snapper. Well, we kind of already have, haven't we? Yeah, we sure have. Um, yeah, there's plenty of good snapper fishing happening at the minute. Uh, 21 metres deep off Mornington, lakes entrance offshore, and uh, yeah, look, Western Port, Dave, you were saying... Um, to start to concentrate, whereabouts? Uh, north Arm, Coronella and North and Hastings and North and, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wherever the water is the warmest usually. Is yeah, where looking I'd for about, that. what, 18, 18, 19 degrees. 
Probably um, be more like 18, 17, I would think. I don't know what it is at the moment, Joe, but it's it'll be dropping quite rapidly. Um, in fact, I believe that's why we're seeing a change of life and action offshore at the moment. The, the warm water species are starting to vacate and the cool water ones are coming in. So that cooler ocean water will be pushing into the bays at the moment and starting to cool it off quite rapidly, which will bring a change of season and some different fish to target. To target. Mm. Well, that was... a. Uh, all the questions we had for tonight, Joey, it was a bloody beauty. Really enjoyed them. If I can remind everyone again, everyone's been really good and supportive and we thank you for buying some merch and some clothing off us recently. We do still have some left, so hit us up on Instagram if you're keen to grab some of that. My beautiful wife has decided she'll be taking charge of that and she'll be sending them out as soon as you've ordered them. So you'll get them very quickly. Beautiful. The the um, the weather's getting cooler and uh, yeah, time to rug up and get yourself a nice, big, fleecy, smushy hoodie to be warm and toasty in. <laughs> Sounds good, Joey. Sounds good. And uh, I think that'll do us for another week of Wind Against Tide. Have a very happy Easter, everyone, whether you are getting out fishing or just hanging out with loved ones. I hope you enjoy it. Yeah, happy Easter all and um, have a nice weekend. And if you get out for a fish, I hope it's a good one. Uh, thank God Brendan's arrived right as we're ending the show. Yeah. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night.